When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Wow! Welcome to the Abroad Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined as always by top London radio DJ and certified Japanophile, Mr. Pete Donaldson. Pete, how are you doing? Pete Donaldson is back for the Abroad Japan podcast episode, I don't know what, but thank you, Chris, for letting me on the show once again. You're in. I'm in. And what a week it is, Pete. Do you know why it's a good week? Um, you've got some new shoes? Even better than that, Pete. You've bought a new hammer? Even better than that, Pete. Have you reached a million subscribers on YouTube? Yay! Yay! You bet I have. That's amazing. Well to, I know. I, it feels like a collective effort. I feel like a, it's a kind of a joint celebration. Everyone who's subscribed to the channel, everyone who's been following, I, everyone seems to have kind of shared in the excitement of hitting 1 million subscribers so to everyone listening to everyone who watches the channel thank you to being a part of for being a part of the abroad in japan channel the last few years it's also a it's kind of like three celebrations in one actually uh because not only did we get 1 million subscribers but we also hit 100 million views which is quite a nice exciting number and it's also my six year anniversary in japan as well so Ah. three kind of Good things at once. So I'm in a good mood this month. This is a good month. <laughs> it all comes round. Isn't that the Ice Cube song? This was a good day. Today was what? a good day. I'm not. I'm not a big Ice Cube fan, but I believe he's got a song called "Today Was a Good Day." And then someone went back um, and figured out through all of the things he said which day it was. And I think it was in February uh, in I don't know 1998 or something <laughs> weird like that. I've uh, absolutely no idea what that is. Looking <laughs> after. But Chris, I'm so pleased um, that you reached uh, one million. I mean, basically, that basically says that one million people want to see your face every week or every time you put out a video. Which, you know, I can't even I can't even get my family to look at my face. My family don't even want me visiting. Well, Well, I mean, yeah, I can't really believe it either. It's kind of scary as well when you visualise one million people. That's like, oh. Picture I've actually naked. found as the years have gone by, the years I've done this, it's, it's become more difficult because you start to dwell on the, on the viewing figures and you yeah. think, oh my God, that's a lot of people. If I, say, if I say something wrong, it could all go downhill very quickly. So, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of scary. It's got scary as the years gone by. And now it's, <laughs> it's at the peak, peak scariness level. Um, but, yeah, it's also very exciting as well, especially with the upcoming cycle. It'll be cool to do that with a million, a million people watching or a million subscribers. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the time to collapse with heat exhaustion. Uh, <laughs> one million, um, at least he reached a million subscribers before he died. You're getting a lot of emails from people, worried people, concerned people. Um, I watched your Getting Patreon so video. Ready, yeah. I watched your Patreon video because I am a Patreon subscriber, and it's very important to uh, to chuck Chris a couple of coins because otherwise, how is he going to do the things he needs to do? He's always dropping lenses. Well, He's very clumsy. 
Thanks, Pete. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's I have been getting a lot of emails from people who are mm. genuinely concerned about all this, um, and it's also it started to worry me as well. It makes me think, <laughs> oh my god, have I? What have I done here? Yeah, I've actually got a bit more nervous. I still haven't got a bike either. Yeah, Is that bad. Um, <laughs> can't, I mean, it's not good. <laughs> it's, it's not not, not bad. a good thing. <laughs> but I I am getting one on Saturday. So right. That from then on, the game will change, and I'll have like a month and a half, and I'll be cycling like every day for a month and a half to try and uh, yeah know, prepare myself. But I don't think I I don't know. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna keep talking about it for now because I'll probably just dig myself a hole and make <laughs> myself sound all brilliant and mighty, and then day three of the U- of the bloody cycle on YouTube, I'll collapse into a puddle on the floor and that'll be the end. So, <laughs> got to be careful what I say. Could come back and haunt me later on. We're trying to organise what uh, where you're going to be when I arrive in Japan. Um, so it might it, yeah. it could be in seven different places depending on how the how the ride's gone thus far. Um, you might be just well, you know you might not want to see visitors. Might be too tired. Yeah, I mean, we've we've it looks like. We know where we're going to fit you in, mm. around the back of Japan. Right. We're going to drag you to a place called Fukui, F-U-K-U-I. How rude. A little bit awkwardly spelt, potentially. <laughs> uh, yeah, if all goes well, Pete, we should get you from Fukui to Kyoto. I think that'd be quite a nice romantic. Originally, we were going to get mm. you in at the end of the cycle at Kagoshima, and then I realised that definitely wasn't going to happen. I'm not going to be cycling that fast. Uh, so I think this would be nice, though. <laughs> You've been to Kyoto before, right? So I've been to been Kyoto before, briefly, and... yeah. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're right. going to be passing through Hermeji as well, uh, which has a beautiful castle. Yeah, I've never been there. Yeah, You've been, right? Really nice. It's like an Overwatch level. It's beautiful. I've, <laughs> I've always wanted to go there because it's in uh, my favourite James Bond movie, You Only Live Twice, the one where <laughs> he visits Japan. So I feel like a special connection to the castle. So I've never been there, but it's on the hit list. Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to that, and it'll be cool to get you over and stick you in a video. I think the people, the people have been wanting to see your face for the longest time. Well, uh, I'll make well, sure I'm wearing a lot of makeup then. <laughs> yeah, bring some makeup. And you'll be jet lagged because you'll pretty much arri- arrive in Japan, in Tokyo, and then you'll have to switch planes, hop on another f- like flight, come back over the Japanese Alps, land in Fukui, and then cycle for five days straight and die. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I do- how does it work with like luggage and stuff? How does that work? Am I just going to have to have you a base? I'll have to have like, a base hotel somewhere uh, that just keeps my luggage <laughs> safe. And then, I mean, well, where am I going to get a bike? It's all very confusing. I'll just have to get the train. We'll get you a bike. <laughs> we'll get you a little. We'll get you a little sidecar or a wagon. <laughs> I can stick you in behind the bicycle. You should switch to tandem. Good. We'll switch to tandem for a few days. <laughs> I did. I I I was dangerously tempted uh, to do that. Uh, a cyclist uh, who who cycles around Asia. He's got a mm. bike like that, and he uh, he's got a, a kind of a nice sit down bike. I don't know what it's actually called. It might be a tandem, but it's one that looks really relaxing. And he just cycles around all of Asia. Mm. And he made a video uh, giving me some tips. And I was watching him sit there. It looks like he's just sort of sitting in like an armchair with wheels oh, on. Oh, yeah. They're and I so thought, why haven't I got that? They always look so hard to um, manoeuvre, like turn left or turn right. It's very <laughs> confusing. I haven't a clue how it works yeah. where you can get one. But I was, I was very tempted. But it looks like we'll be getting a mountain bike. So I've got right, a mountain okay. bike next week. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, it was difficult. Road bike, mountain bike, I didn't know the difference. Presumably a road bike is for the road, a mountain bike is for the mountains. But I discovered <laughs> that road bikes can get punctures easily, uh, which I didn't want. When you're doing 2,000 kilometres, yeah. a puncture could be the bane of your life. Uh, and then 
I also found that mountain bikes are more comfortable in general. And again, when you're cycling for 30, 40 days, you mm. need to be able to sit comfortably. So, <laughs> yes, that's why I went for the mountain bike. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm excited. Uh, but there is, I, I don't know how to lead into this next section without sounding ominous. Because um, there's a, the to- I mean, I was going to say something earlier about treading carefully. About <laughs> treading carefully. Because uh, that's what we've got to do for the next for the next rest of the podcast, because we're going to be talking about a serious topic that's dominating headlines in Japan at the moment, uh, all because of one outrageous story that started a few weeks ago. So it turned out uh, one of Japan's biggest, uh, most prestigious medical schools, uh, the Tokyo Medical University, had been fraudulently lowering the scores of female applicants who took the annual entrance exam, keeping up the percentage of so the the basically women that were applying to the university were having their scores artificially lowered, right? Uh, because the school believed that men are more likely to. I, I'm not sure how to phrase this really. I think they're they're concerned that women would have children and whatnot, and then leave the job. Um, and they thought that would be to the detriment of the industry, mm. something along those lines. Either way, they've been lowering uh, the test scores of female students for up to the last decade uh, and it's pretty shocking for for a school to do that for a university of that caliber to do that to admit to rigging an exam for applicants uh, it's pretty shocking especially as the applicants have to spend vast time and resources to even get to that stage it costs mm. a lot of money and time to get into the tokyo medical university and then to just rig it like that is shocking um and it, what it tells you about the situation of gender equality in Japan is is not a good thing either. The only good thing is it sounds a bit like a turning point, this coming to light and the, and the sort of shock across the country. Um, I mean, have you heard anything about this back back over in the UK, Pete? No, I've not heard a single news story about it, to be honest. And <laughs> if something can, if something can, uh, I think it might be a turning point. But I think if um, we talk about systemic systemic um, racism and uh, sexism uh, and homophobia. Um, but for a university to systemically, um, physically actually go to exam results and change them for women compared to men um, in an industry that isn't necessarily connected to them, if you know what I mean, you're going to complete the mm-hmm. course. They're going to get all of their money. So somewhere at some point, some people have got together, some men have got together and said, well, this is the best course of action. Um, if yeah. they feel able to do that, in 2018, 2017, um, I think Japan has a whole heap of time before uh, it's in any way uh, regarded as a tipping point because, wow, I mean, that is something else, isn't it? Especially, as you say, um, it costs a lot of money to uh, even get into a position where you're taking exams. Well, I mean, Japan is ranked 114th out of uh, 144 countries in the World Economic Forum's National Ranking of Gender Equality, despite the fact that nearly... 50% 50% of Japanese women are college-educated, one of the world's highest levels. Uh, but they do face a great deal of discrimination in the workforce. Apparently this started uh, this started back in 2009 or 2010 when the percentage of women who were passing the entrance exam rose from 24% in 2009 to 38% in 2010. Evidently this created some sort of panic it led them to rig the application. It led them to rig the exam results. Uh, apparently, they were kind of they were taking the women's scores and times uh, multiplying them by a coefficient of less than one in order to reduce their scores across the board. 
Um, and now the figure of... So before, back in 2010, it was 38% of women who passed the entrance exam. This year, that had dropped to just 18% as a result of mm. this, these, uh, this methodology, this terrible, this terrible kind of thing that you, the university had instigated. So, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's caused a lot of outrage, as you'd expect. People are shocked by it. A lot of, I saw some interviews of, on TV, and people were sort of saying, this doesn't even sound real. It sounds like a film or something. Mm. It sounds like a political thriller. Uh, and it doesn't bode well for uh, Shinzo Abe, the Prime Minister of the country, who's been trying to increase the number of women in the workplace and kind of switch around kind of a, a culture that uh, has pervaded Japanese society for the longest time now. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's ridiculous. B, with the massive caveat that uh, we are two white men in a room talking about these issues, uh, maybe we should have uh, women on the podcast. But I mean, I, I think fundamentally just um, sorting out a podcast with me and you is hard enough uh, right now. Uh, but um, yeah, it, 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 it's grotesque. And um, I think uh, if I was going to pin um, the blame on anything or any one sort of situation, possibly uh, immigration has a thing to do, to do with it as well. There are an island nation, as we always say on the podcast, and uh, outside influences coming in, sort of going, "Sorry, what the hell is going on?" Means that um, the Japanese aren't really aware of best practice uh, elsewhere in the world. But I mean, like you say, 114 out of 144, um, it's a disgrace. <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace. Mm. Bearing in mind that, like, I think it was a year ago, uh, in the parliament, in the Japanese parliament. Um, a woman was was outwardly criticised by a male colleague, a male um, senator, um, a male politician for not having children, which is just, you know, because they were talking yeah, about the issue of population um, uh, dwindling. Um, and what a disgrace. What an absolute disgraceful uh, part of uh, Japanese society that that, that, that is, uh, is going on. I mean, it's still a very conservative culture, conservative country politically. I mean, even in uh, the Prime Minister's kind of cabinet there's only i think two out of the 24 people in his cabinet only two of them are women mm. um the only i mean there are there is definitely light at the end of the tunnel we've got a few stories of recent that are kind of uplifting i mean the first the first major thing in recent years uh the the mayor of tokyo uh yuriko koike has become a kind of a beacon of hope for women lead uh, leadership um for women in japan um She's kind of set up a new political party to rival Shinzo Abe in his Liberal Democratic Party. Uh, I can't remember what the names of the party's called. It's called the Party of Hope or something. Mm. Sounds nice. I, I think, yeah, I think it's literally just called the Party of Hope. Uh, <laughs> and she's trying... <laughs> That's a great name for a party. Kind of, why do we always have such boring, serious-sounding names for political parties? If well, I had a political party, it'd be called the Happy Fun Party or the Super Magic Wizard party or monster, something. Monster raving. Well, we've got the monster raving loony party, but they never get in, do they? So. Probably a good thing. Yeah, the monster possibly. raving well, loony party in I, the UK. I, I, what are, I would the, what probably, are even their policies? I can't remember what they were in like the 80s when it was their heyday, but I think Lord wasn't Lord Buckethead a part of the monster raving loony party. He was quite turkid. Um, I think he was. I quite liked yeah, him in the last was. election. I think he would um, I think he would probably do a good job, better job than anyone uh, we've got at the moment. Can you imagine if they got in, though? <laughs> what happened? Well, he, to be honest, all of his speeches seemed a lot more sensible coherent. than it was. <laughs> surprisingly coherent. Yeah, that's what I'd probably go for. Surprisingly coherent. I mean, that's not the. So we've also got the, in the same week this kind of happened. Japan had its first female pilot. 
That was kind of a bit of good news mm. to contrast such a horrible story. First Lieutenant Misa Matsushima, 26, of the Japan's Japanese Air Self-Defence Force and officially named a fighter pilot this month. Uh, apparently, women only account for a mere 6.4% of Japan's 228,000 troops, and they're trying to increase that to 9% by 2030. But it's that's kind of cool. Apparently, she was inspired by Top Gun, and that led her <laughs> to want to become a fighter pilot. Uh, back in 2015, when they changed the rules allowing women to become fighter pilots, it is one of the hardest jobs to get into. Um, just, just physically, uh, because just, just eyesight-wise, you know what I mean. Just you have to have so many physical attributes um, that do not lend themselves to being a human. Uh, you have to be so. Could you good, be a fighter uh, pilot, Pete? No, I couldn't because I wear spectacles. Uh, but even like people who I've known like for a little while who tried to get into that um, that side of things. They just they could not do it. They they could not pass the entry exam um, for like reaction times and things like that. It's it's incredible, really. Couldn't you become the first spectacled pilot mm. in the world ever? Or maybe the first inept jets. pilot, the first inept pilot to fly a, <laughs> a, a, a big Mig. I don't know what our planes are called. I'm not a plane guy. Is Mig a thing a or is that Russian? I don't know. That's a Russian. That's is a, that a Russian, Russian one, plane. right? Okay. Yes, Euro <laughs> Tie Fighter. <laughs> A Euro, Euro tie, tie Fighter. Typhoon. Typhoon, there we go, yeah. Don't get me started, I love my fighter. Love a fighter I just love the image Chris. of you flying a flipping F-35 fighter plane and just <laughs> flying it the wrong way around because yeah. you can't see what you're doing. Just going... Missiles going all over the place. <laughs> you on the radio You're right, it sounds brilliant, like Chris. I think it should happen, definitely. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. And to my surprise, I stumbled across a secret, sexy club. Wow. Uh, the, the other, in the same, uh, the, the same week as well, actually, I saw another article uh, about a female sushi chef. It kind of went viral. Okay. There's a, uh, a sushi restaurant in Akihabara that's opened up called uh, Nadeshiko, I can't pronounce it, Nadeshiko Sushi. Mm. Uh, what, I, I didn't realise this until I watched the video, but uh, even though it's fairly obvious... The sushi industry in Japan is completely male-dominated. Mm. Um, there are ridiculous long-held beliefs that women can't make sushi. And there's three reasons that you often hear. The first one is because of menstruation cycles. Apparently it affects women's sense of taste, uh, which as, <laughs> is, I mean, there, there have been some it's scientific absolute... <laughs> reports on that, but it is, it's not a good enough excuse. No, Otherwise, it really isn't, because it's bullshit. It's, that's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> and then there's uh, their makeup might affect their ability to smell as well. Uh, where, you, where, they put, where, do, where do men think that women put their makeup? Their nostrils? Is that how... I know. Then, you don't smell through your pores, do you? My personal favourite, there's a, there's a belief that uh, women's hands are too warm to, do, to, to make sushi, uh, which... Is ridiculous. I mean, there's many. There's even some studies that show that uh, women's hands are 2.8 Celsius lower, 2.8 degrees Celsius lower than men's hands. So, 
Uh, just it seems it's like all a load of rubbish. Bullshit. It, it, this kind of get, this, this gatekeeping uh, has a long and, and torturous uh, history, and it, mm, and, it, mm. and it doesn't seem to be getting any any better um, uh, that quickly. But then, you know, if women can set up businesses, you know, I mean, good on the, the woman to um, show the men that that's absolute fucking bullshit. If you excuse my language, <laughs> there's this um, well, there's this uh, there's there's a series two of Atlanta. Um, it's it's mm. it's a really good TV show. It's um, Charles Gambino, um, Donald Glover, Mm-mm. written, directed, and, and performed. The, the crescendo to the whole series is basically him um, being told by his um, friend and I think cousin, uh, the rapper Paperboy, uh, in this TV show, um, that right. black black people have to be twice as good to be regarded as um, having parity with with the rest of the world, with the, with the rest of um, well white people effectively. Um, and it's this, it's this again, really, isn't right, it? Women yeah. have to be twice as um, twice as good to be regarded as as being on mm, the level. Mm. So this sushi chef will be the best of the best. She'll be producing some incredible work, uh, and she's only regarded as being uh, having parity with uh, some of the best sushi, sushi chefs in in Japan. And it's just, it must be exhausting. Like it just must be, just exhausting. It's- it just it must take a lot to go up against that you mm. know i mean she trained with a, a male sushi chef he taught her everything mm. uh but she's she's set up this place in akihabara her mm. name is yuki chizui chizui uh and she yeah claims to be japan's first and only all female sushi sushi restaurant mm. so apparently all the staff are female so I, I suppose some people hit back and say oh no but then you've gone to the opposite end of the spectrum you've gone to the extreme but Regardless, she's trying to turn the tide and show that women can make great sushi as well, regardless of their makeup and having warm hands, which is absolute rubbish. <laughs> uh, and there's a nice quote from her. She says that, uh, I hope that someday it's not male sushi chef or female sushi chef, just sushi chef. You know, that's a good point. Why do we have to discriminate but uh, I mean hearing I mean here, struggle well, it, well sushi chef is such a kind of exotic thing anyway I think seeing a male sushi chef sounds fucking mental anyway oh it's a male <laughs> he's a male it's a male sushi chef is it I mean just say sushi chef to be honest is it is it not a tongue <laughs> I mean, twister in I mean, itself yeah, yeah exactly and, that. And, for, and and like all right female pilot I mean that's uh, that's a not that's not a, not a well-trodden path let's say a female fighter pilot probably isn't as, as well-trodden but um, famous sushi chef. It's just someone who slams some <laughs> rice into their hand and then puts a bit of fish on top. I mean, I, I understand the craft. And I understand the importance of getting it <laughs> right. They degrade the fine art of sushi, <laughs> but you know, and <laughs> with uh, your simplistic. I'm not. Viewpoint, a good, I'm not a great I mean, food fetishist. I, I don't like the because you get this a lot. You get a lot of foodie stuff in um, mm. in Britain, and there's been this explosion. Um, every second TV show. Uh, the decadence of the fucking West. If I visited the West from you know somewhere that wasn't quite so moneyed and just saw all of the television shows just about food and fat people just shoving their middle class fat white people just shoving <laughs> bread in their mouths and going nom, 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 you can really taste the sugar. Nom, nom, nom. It's just I find the whole fetishization of food grotesque at the best of times. I will give it no truck. <laughs> We've touched a nerve with Pete Donaldson. <laughs> I get very wound up. We know how to set. Don't him get off. me started on Craftdale. <laughs> I have a challenge for you, though. Can you say "female sushi chef" three times really fast? Because I'll be damned if I can. Female sushi chef. Female sushi. No, I can't. Sushi. It's a sushi chef. <laughs> sushi chef. It's really hard. Sushi chef. <laughs> when I said 
male sushi chef or female sushi chef. That's that felt like my mouth nearly broke. Just saying that. <laughs> Get some sushi. I in love it. the way this this has gone from trying to be a serious gender debate to just me doing tongue, tongue twisters, twisters with, the, with the phrase female sushi chef. Chris, you may I should have, have expected it to happen. You may have a million subscribers, Chris, but you still can't be trusted. <laughs> this is the key to my success. Exactly. Twisters. Simplistic tongue twisters. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I think things will get better for Japan. Um, It's still still not there yet at all. Um, But it's on the right track, generally, I feel. Um, And with the the Tokyo mayor, with... uh, God, I can never recall her name off the top of my head. uh, Yuriko Koike. There's talk of her becoming the prime minister in the right. future, especially if her party of hope should come to power, and that would be a pretty big deal. I mean, it's already a big deal that she's the mayor in the first place, and at one point she was the uh, the, the, the country's first ever female defence minister. Mm. Although when I brought her up with a, a friend of mine uh, who's a pretty cool businesswoman, quite entrepreneurial woman, uh, Japanese woman as well, uh, she, I was, I, I said, I was talking about the mayor. Um, I was talking about Yuriko Koike, and she sort of looked really scared uh, by Yuriko. I don't know. I think uh, she's quite a scary figure as well, <laughs> quite a fiery, well, scary figure. And that's the thing. Not... I mean, we can go into gender politics for until the cars come on because it's a long and heavy subject. But um, women um, c- consistently find themselves in a situation where they have to adopt um, male male characteristics um to, to 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 get ahead or not even get ahead just to just to you know tread water effectively uh in a in a man's world um it, again i think it just comes down to immigration like the japan just aren't aware of how uh, enriching it is to have a, something approaching um a 50 50 split it, 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 i mean it, it's not happening anywhere in the world let's make that very clear there's just quite simply not enough um female politicians in in politics all around the world um i think um mm. europe's sort of leading the way a little bit with that if you look at the scandinavian nations they, they they've certainly made more um more waves um obviously angela merkel is probably certainly uh, one of the greatest um politicians of the uh 21st century and i think that'll will out in the future um theresa mm. may less so <laughs> Margaret Thatcher, even less yeah. so. Don't, don't put but, them in the same, let's don't the put same the, pedestal. And I would never put them in the same bracket. But um, <clears throat> it's getting to the point where if you've never had a, a, a female leader uh, in, in Europe, I think you, uh, you're you kind of sticking out like sort of them, I think. And that will only um, improve in, in the future. But still a hell of a long way to go um, for everything. And then that's before you get to um, people of colour and people of, uh, of other minorities, like the, the trans community and stuff like that. I think uh, the I think mm. there's a, a trans mayor maybe coming in somewhere in America um, fairly soon. Uh, who will be the first um, trans mayor ever? I think in in, mm. in in American history, which is uh, huge, and it's in a quite a red state as well. Oh, which is interesting. But yeah, it's uh, a it, big it, deal. it's uh, it's moving, but probably not as quickly as it should be. But I mean, this is something that they kind of need to deal with soon, given the low fertility rate, given the populations dropping off a cliff at an unprecedented rate. Uh, one of the main reasons is women basically have to choose between having a career or having children. Mm. Uh, roughly, you know, 70% of Japanese women quit working after they give birth to their first child, uh, which is, in the in the US, for example, that's only about 30% in mm. comparison, 33%. Um, so they, um, and when women do return to work in Japan after they've had children, often their career path is suspended or yeah. have been demoted to lower positions 
Um, again, encouraging signs in 2016. The percentage of women in the job market in Japan exceeded the US for the first time, mm. 67%. However, that's uh, nearly half of those women were employed part-time or on a contract basis with low pay, little responsibility, and few chances to advance their careers. So, mm. yeah, But it is something they need to address. If they want to get their fertility rate going back up, turning around, they have to do something kind of quick and make women feel a lot more welcome in the workplace, especially if they've had children. And they need to stop rigging university exam entrance things. I mean, like, that, that's I mean that would be a good start, The fundamental it? foundations of success. Christ. I mean, I can't imagine. If you're a woman, you're sitting in a meeting with a, with a, um, you know, a manager, a male manager, I can't imagine the things that you get asked um, that you would not dream of asking of, of, a, of, a, of a male colleague, of a male employee. Well, typically you have to send a photo in. I don't know, do we have that in the UK? We have to send a photo in for a job. No, like no, Japan, I'm, I'm almost certain that would be uh, that would be massively frowned upon. Just, just five virtue of the fact that deal um, breaker for Pete. Well, you know, well, you can't. <laughs> I mean, you can't do that. They've done studies where if you've got a, a name that isn't British sounding, uh, you're automatically, even just subconsciously, mm. uh, on the scrap heap. It's a, it's a. It's a fascinating area, but I mean, I, um, I don't really feel qualified to discuss it, even though we're having a crack. It's all very depressing, um, but all you can do is just um, speak up, can't you? You can only just speak up for um, the truths, speak truth to power and all that. Mm. I feel like we've we've had to tread lightly around this subject, not because, I mean, it's a two, twofold, because A, I don't feel we're experienced disgusting enough men. to discuss this topic. As a, as a, as a guy living and working in Japan, I've had a pretty easy ride. I do know it's more difficult for, for women here. Um, yeah. But, I, yeah, I can't speak from personal experience. Well, exa- I don't well like exactly. Discussing well, exactly. things I can't speak from personally. Well, exactly. I mean, at, uh, at the end of the day, you're not only um, a guy, you're a gaijin. So, like, you're probably not going to be privy to a lot of the uh, um, struggles and pressures and, and, and situations that even um, male colleagues find themselves in. Yeah, it's it's not a topic I feel like I can add much more to than that. Well, there were some well, new stories yeah. in the in the papers, um, and it's probably quite an interesting uh, subject to, to to deal with all week, I think. And but yeah, it's like a you mixed said, bag, isn't it? Mm. We've got a terrible story there with the Tokyo Medical University, but also stories of hope. Yeah, hugely. With the pilot with Yuki Chizue in a sushi restaurant. If you do want to visit the sushi restaurant, it's in Akihabara. And again, it's called uh, Nadeshiko Sushi. But if you just look up Yuki Chizui, you should be able to find it. Or mm. just all-female sushi restaurant. Go in, have a look, give it a shot. I haven't been in there. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I would go in just by just by the fact that it's all run by female staff. But uh, certainly if I'm in the area, I'd give it a shot. Apparently the review's all right, so that's cool. Uh, so, yes. But uh, no, for now... Let's dive into some questions, Mr. Donaldson. What have we got? I was, I was saying, why do, you, why do you not want to go in because there's loads of female staff? I'm confused. <laughs> oh, no, I meant like, oh, God, here we go. I set myself up. I mean, like, I wouldn't go in especially because they're all female. So. Oh, right, okay, you wouldn't, right, okay, yeah, 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 you wouldn't, yeah, yeah. but... Um, well, did I, did I say it the other way around? You sound like I wouldn't, I, 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 I wouldn't go in, I wouldn't go I in. I wouldn't because go there. There'd be, there'd be women Their everywhere. Their hands are too warm. Their hands are too warm. His hands are too warm. My towel, the it. towel and, uh, I get given by the waiter, uh, will be um, uh, I mean, <laughs> will be hotter <laughs> than usual. It'll be horrible. <laughs> what I meant was, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go out my way to go in there just for the fact that it is all okay, right? Yeah, stuff, you know, I wouldn't well, make maybe a special you effort to go there. action, mate. Get but involved. If I'm in Akia Bar and I want some sushi, <clears throat> yeah, I'd probably drop in. Yeah, I'll pop in when I'm over there. Um, it would be quite weird to <laughs> see. Um, it would be quite odd. You know, until I saw that video and until I learned about this, I never, never really dawned on me that. 
you don't see many female staff working in sushi restaurants. If they do work, it's usually on something simple like handling the rice. You don't actually see them preparing the fish uh, and putting it on top of the rice and whatnot. So, yeah, I didn't realise that. And so maybe it would be quite weird going in there and all the staff being female. I think it'd be quite cool as well. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. Maybe we'll go in there when you're over. If we survive the cycle, sushi. I'll probably need the ballast after that. Um, you are getting, with with the cycle. You said you are you are going to be um, kind of slowing it down a little bit, as in you're going to spend a couple of days in um, each area to sort of like feel it out. Because you've not been to some of the areas that you're kind of travelling through, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, well, the first place where I meet you in Fukui, I've never been there. Yeah, and I don't know what there is there, but apparently it's quite nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, Kanazawa as well, supposed to be a very beautiful place um around the back of japan mm. i say the back of japan i mean kind of the other side of the japanese alps compared to uh tokyo i've never been around there much and i've always wanted to go there so i'm really excited about that mm. and uh as well as needing some rest right in between the days of cycling i thought it'd be just a good way to see the cities i mean it'd be a terrible shame to go through somewhere like kanazawa or kyoto and not get to spend a day or two exploring the city you mm. know I'd be really annoyed if I just sort of raced through it. This isn't a race. It's kind of a trip of discovery. So <laughs> I want some sort of adventure, adventurous discovery mm. rather than a race across Japan. So, yeah, I think it'll be yeah. fun. We can uncover something in Fukui. Exciting. Sounds quite sinister, but we can <laughs> <laughs> we have a cracking time. Um, so we've got some emails this week, Chris Broad, uh, and uh, we should probably read them out, I suppose, because that's kind of how emails work, I guess. Straight from the fax machine. Yes. Um, our first one is from Adam. He says, Hi, Pete and Chris. My name is Adam, and I, and I live in Australia, and I listen to all your podcasts on the bus to school on a uh, Thursday morning. Awesome. I love that. Thanks, Adam. I like it when uh, when people sending in questions kind of paint a nice picture of where they are and how they listen to the podcast. If you do send in your comments and questions, please do that. Mm. It's quite nice, isn't it? Yeah. It's like a little bonus. Anyway. Definitely. Uh, Adam says, love your videos in the podcast. My question is, what was the most memorable moment, any moment, you've had in Japan from Adam? Um, Pete, you can start mm. there, because I've got, to, I've got um, to think of something quick. <laughs> it was probably, I mean, I guess, apart from like the first day when I'm walking around going, what is this place? It's insane. I had a tattoo done once in a man's house. Uh, it was kind of memorable. Uh, and then I drank oh, loads gosh. of um, uh, sweet corn soup from the vending machines and um, couldn't go out that night because uh, I'd overdone it, let's say. Um, that's what a great what that memory. Was. <laughs> um, I think, I think um, uh, Kufo. Is it Kufo? Kufo. Um, a Kofu. place. Kofu. Kofu, sorry. Yeah, Kofu. Um, just Probably. near, just, near uh, just past um, Mount Fuji. Um, I got on the wrong train. I went to go and see FC Tokyo play football. I got on the wrong train and ended up in a completely different city. Um, luckily, though, they had a uh, Japanese football team, um, so I could watch them play instead. And it was a much better place to watch football rather than FC Tokyo. Um, and, mm. um, yeah, uh, they won 2-0. And um, I saw um, a guy called Ronaldo score. Uh, he's just a Brazilian journeyman wow. footballer who uh, was called Ronaldo. The Ronaldo? <laughs> no, not the Ronaldo, no. Or oh. the other Ronaldo. Um, <laughs> the Brazilian or the Portuguese one. But um, no, it was, It was. I remember sort of just finding my way into this part of um, part of uh, Japan and, and I'd never been there before and I didn't make any plans to do so uh, and I'd muffed up my trip massively. I just got on the wrong train and instead of taking 20 minutes to go and see FC Tokyo, it took two hours to get to uh, Kufo. Uh, That's a Kofu. nice story though. I like that. 
Yeah. I like that you kind of got lost and things worked out nicely. Had a yeah. Bit of a, yeah. I mean, you can do that. You can do role. that a lot, can't you? And I think also, like, I think the first couple of days in uh, Hakata um, mm. with you, I think, would, would probably be up there as well. Because, again, yeah, such a sleepy nice place. Nice safe option, isn't it? Such a, <laughs> to stay with me. Ah, <laughs> yeah, that holiday. definitely. Of course, that was the best memory with you've, my, you've with, had in Japan. Looking at, mum, looking at a couple me, of mummies. Karaoke. Look at a couple of mummies. Meeting Natsuki, obviously. Meeting Natsuki, that was a big one. Um, and uh, and looking at some mummies with my trousers um, burst, with my um, pants on shore. You what? Remember, my, my trousers broke because I fell off that um, that wheelie. So we were sitting there in front of two hundred year old sacred mummies, gods in their own rights, and you were sitting there with your trousers burst open. How do I not remember that? <laughs> it's pretty oh, sexy, wasn't it? What horrible sight! I'd fallen off um, um, a I'd fallen off a uh, what they call hoverboard. Um, you took me to your mates, oh, uh, yeah, Gaff, who was uh, who was like a uh, entrepreneur. And he had this big kind of um, startup. Yuki. Yeah, Yuki. What a dude! He took us for sushi. Uh, like proper, like probably the best sushi I've ever eaten in my life, to be quite frank. Although I remember you were hesitant to eat it because you saw them making it with their hands, and you well, felt weird yeah, about it. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, again, you don't see that a lot in uh, in uh, in London. I think it's the first time I've ever seen like a sushi chef like get them rice out of the bowl and then sort of smack it into his hand and then put it down, and <laughs> it's all very weird. Mm. <laughs> It's quite theatrical, but I yeah. guess, yeah, if you don't like people touching your food, sushi could be a bit of Male a... Male or female. Uh, not, not fun to watch. <laughs> don't touch my yeah. food! <laughs> Use a fork. It was a man. It was, it was a, man. a man. Big man. Uh, and his hands were not that warm. Um, <laughs> for me, my most memorable moment... My most memorable moment... You know what? It's probably... Uh, when I was making my third video... I'm going to plug, plug one of my own videos. Mm. Uh, a video called Driving in Japan... I ended up driving into the countryside, really deep um, into the mountains. I got lost, actually. I didn't know where I was. My iPhone died of battery. Seems to happen all the time. It died um, of battery. <laughs> and I remember just being kind of really profoundly moved. I'd been living in Japan for about one month at that point, mm. And I just got my car for a week. And I was just going off and discovering it properly for the first time. And I remember just driving out into the middle of nowhere, surrounded by mountains and streams, watching these kind of really... Elderly people uh, just harvest the rice and tend to their fields, which are a beautiful shade of green and yellow. Uh, and it's so picturesque and beautiful. And I got out of the car and I sort of stood there, watched them, watched the smoke rising off a fire that they were burning on the field, listened to the stream and looked around at the mountains and just felt like, wow, this is it. I'm yeah. somewhere a long way from home. This is amazing. This is something special. And I felt really emotional. And I don't feel emotional ever about anything, really. Uh, so I remember that quite vividly, feeling like, wow, this is awesome. And feeling kind of like sad that I couldn't share that moment with anyone, just standing there in that very tranquil place in a very new alien country for me at the time. I was still culture shocked. I still didn't know, didn't know what was going on. But I just remember standing there thinking, wow, this is it. I'm bloody happy I've ended up here. And that's my favourite moment. Yeah. I remember it very clearly, even though it was so six years ago now. Yeah, yeah, it was it's beautiful out there. We've got a question from Jared? Yeah. I'll let you read it. <laughs> uh, hello, hello Chris and Pete. It's not actually on my email, I think. There was a, pro- there was a problem loading my page, apparently. Uh, hello, Chris and Pete. My wife and I were hoping to visit Japan sometime in the next two or three years, and I was wondering what your thoughts were on the upcoming Olympics and how that might affect the trip. 
We're shooting for the fall in two years, which would only be a couple of months after the Olympics were over. Not sure if prices would be higher or places would be more crowded leading up to the Olympics or after. It must be before, surely? I Well, well what I'll say to anybody coming over for the Olympics, if you are thinking of coming over, book your accommodation like a year in advance. Because mm. I don't think Tokyo has the capacity for all the people that are going to be coming, especially all the people across Japan who are going to descend upon Tokyo for the event. Uh, I would book your accommodation like six, at least six months in advance. Yeah. Uh, if you want to stand a chance of getting somewhere, and prices will be going up quite a bit. Yeah. So take that into consideration. For me personally, I don't know where I'll be at that point. I'll be in Sendai. I might be, might even be living in Tokyo for all I know. But I'm gonna hide underneath a duvet <laughs> for the whole of the Olympics <laughs> and just not do anything because Tokyo is gonna be absolutely mental. Yeah. I might even leave Japan and get away from it. We'll see. Or who knows, maybe I'll be a correspondent covering the event. Uh, I mean, I'm not a very sporty person. I've never been that big on the Olympics. I missed the London Olympics by one day because I was flying to Japan straight after the opening ceremony. Right. Uh, so I missed that one. I'm going to miss the, the one where they come here probably because I'm going to escape to an island because <laughs> I just won't be able to handle it. It's going it to be was, mental. I mean, I was here for the London Olympics and um, it was... I, I was doing... Uh, I was doing like live, um, they, they were doing big screenings basically in Hyde Park. So, you know, you were talking like 80,000, 90,000 people in one place just watching mm. um, Jessica Ennis Hill running around. Uh, and I was doing like the stage announcements. So I was interviewing um, like the swimmers and the boxers and stuff. Oh, wow. Um, and I can't remember any That's of their cool. names. Adl- is Adlington, is that the, the, um, the swimmer? Rebecca Adlington. Yeah, I think she's a swimmer, right. isn't she? Or have I got that massively wrong? Either way, um, I was interviewing um, all, of the, all of the Olympians with their medals and stuff uh, on stage. Mm. And there was one point where they had bands on as well. I think it was Temper Trap were playing. And um, basically they were showing the video of Jessica Ennis Hill doing her race and... Um, it was a, I think it was a four finish or something. Basically, it got to the end. They ran to the end, and um, the guy, the stage manager said, "You need to go out now." And I was going, "The race hasn't finished yet. It's a four finish. We don't know who's won." And um, and so I got, so I get pushed out on stage. They cut the screens, so everybody starts bowing, and I've got to go, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry about that. Here's temper trap, and I was booed by you know a good sixty thousand, seventy thousand people in Hyde no Park. Way. Is there a video tragic. of that? Because I need to see. Um, that. No, I don't think this is a video of that. There's a bit, but Damn. what made me laugh was the drummer from Dodgy. I don't know whether you remember that band Dodgy, staying out for the summer. Um, afterwards, he went, "Hey, oh, Pete, yeah. I saw you getting booed on the stage. I was booing as well. It was well funny." <laughs> I was like, "Thanks, drummer from Dodgy. Oh You're the best." <laughs> I needed a drink Bloody after hell. that. Booed by <laughs> 60,000 people. Yeah, it was crazy. Bloody hell. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is a CV-worthy event. Never mind. You've got to have that on there. Never mind. Booed by 60,000. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I mean, going back to Japan and the Olympics, all I'll say is just book things long in advance and I'd honestly avoid Tokyo around then, unless you are coming especially for the Olympics. I would stay clear away. We've got one last... It's not a question, it's a comment. And it relates to something from, I think, two podcasts ago. Right. I brought up Pitbull. I don't know why this... What, is he? Is, would you consider him a rapper? Or is he just a hip-hop Yeah, I'd singer? say he's a kind of know. rapper, yeah. He, he, he doesn't ever sing, <laughs> I know that much. 
I mean, his raps, his rapping isn't that mm. good either, really, is it? Anyway, we speculated as to why he was called Mr. Worldwide. Danielle from Miami says, Hey, Chris and Pete, so this is what I've heard living in Miami, which is, for better or worse, where Pitbull originated. Yeah. His nickname here was Mr. 305, which is our, our area code for Florida, for Miami. Right. Uh, and then when he became big time, he became Mr. Worldwide, as in the world popular everywhere else. Ah. So I guess it was just a modification of a previous a previous nickname, <laughs> and now he is Mr. Worldwide. I'm glad we've sorted that out. What a podcast it's been. Gender equality, <laughs> Pitbull, yeah. booing by 60,000 people. If you've got a question, ladies and gentlemen, for us next week, do send it in to a Brunjapad podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back same time as always next Wednesday or Thursday, depending on what country you're in. But for now, have yourself a great week. Let's get out of here, Pete. Bye. Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.